Not to worry, I have adjusted my sermon to account for all this other activity today, so we're not going to uh, go too much over, I don't think. Let us join together as we worship God to hear the word of God as the people of God. Let us pray together. Gracious God, as we listen to these ancient, holy, sacred words that have guided your people for ages and generations, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, they would guide us this day, that we might be a more faithful church. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we have two passages today. One is a psalm, Psalm 133. All psalms are songs. And this was a song that the pilgrims would sing together as they were going up to worship together in Jerusalem. And I love it. And the blessing song that we sang in the beginning, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is called an Aaronic blessing. Aaron being the priest. And this passage references Aaron, which is so cool. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And imagine they're all going together up to worship. It's a, a song of ascent. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, down on the collar of Aaron's robe. How good and pleasant it is. It is like this precious oil poured on the head, running down Aaron's beard onto his robe, just covering him. And then our New Testament passages from Hebrews. Let us hold firmly to the hope we claim to have. The God who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we can stir up one another some passages say provoke one another, spur one another on to love. Let us help one another, do good works, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Instead, let us encourage one another in the words of hope. The word of the Lord. So I do really wonder deeply and truly, not on the surface, why you are here. You are part of a shrinking crowd in America. You don't have to look long. You don't have to look hard. It's in the news all the time and has been now for many, many years. Let's put up just a few of the headlines just this summer while I was away that I came across. And it's everything from the Wall Street Journal to uh, The Guardian to uh, The Atlantic, The National Review. Why Sunday church attendance is in decline? Why so many Americans have stopped going to church? People don't want a superficial faith. The misunderstood reason millions of Americans stop going to church. The faithful see both crisis and opportunity as churches close across the country. U.S. church attendance still lower than pre-pandemic. Let's look at the rest, next one. Who truly threatens the church? I left the church, and now I long for a church of the nuns. Losing their religion, why U.S. churches are on the decline. I left the church, now I long for church community. How the church growth movement has de-churched Christians. 
Gen X church attendance decreasing. I could go on and on and on and on and on. Perhaps you've seen them, perhaps you've read them. Here's the good news. This is not the first time that people have stopped, and, and I'm gonna use the phrase going to church because it's what's in all the literature, but folks, we don't go to church. We are the church. But this is not the first time that attendance, that engagement, that participation in local faith communities has declined. In fact, the Hebrews congregation, we, a lot about the book of Hebrews eludes us. We're not exactly sure who wrote it or who it went to. We're not sure what genre of literature. It's classified as a, quote, epistle, a letter, but there's real question about that. It kind of reads more like an extended homily, extended sermon, and the writer of the book himself says what it is, a word of exhortation, a word of exhortation of strong encouragement, of a, a kind of a mixture between encouragement and warning. And this is written, here's what we do know, to believers, a community of believers who is in crisis. Attendance is down, commitment is weak, people are discouraged. Sounds a little like our church, not, not this congregation, but our church being our church in America. And the writer says this, hold fast, hold fast to hope. Do not give up meeting together. Why church? Because here you find encouragement and hope and you spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's why church, to participate in the work that God is doing to make all things new. Trust it, believe it, and find your part in it. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. And the psalm says it in another way. When we get together, there is joy, there is pleasantness, there is goodness. It is good and sweet and pleasant to dwell with one another in faith. And so much so that it's like an anointing. Aaron, if you don't remember, Aaron was Moses' brother, and he was anointed to be a priest, set apart to be a healing presence in God's world. The, the, the psalmist suggests that when we get together, that same thing happens to us. It's like we're just poured over with blessing that runs across our head, that claims us. It's a blessing that starts on your head and says, you are a child of God, you belong to God, you are set apart to be a loving presence in this world, to be a priest. We are the priesthood of all believers. So the psalmist is saying, hey, when we get together, that's what it's like. It's like being just overwhelmed with a blessing so that you can be a blessing in the world. That's why church. The biblical vision of church is good and pleasant. It has to do with blessing and hope and encouragement and equipping. So why in the world, can you put up, do you, I, this might be hard, I didn't tell you I was gonna ask you to do this. 
the, the, the word cloud for churchy. If it doesn't break your heart that the majority of the responses were pejorative, I wish it would. It breaks mine. The church, again, here's the biblical vision, good, pleasant, blessing, hope, encouragement. And here's what we get. Boring, preachy, judgmental, church nerd, judgmental, legalistic, stuck up, self-righteous. There's some good words in here, but holier than thou, rigid, Wait, how did we go from good, pleasant, blessing, hope, encouragement to this? How did that happen? That's what I want to talk about for six weeks. And I want us to think about this. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? Now, I've been accused of being a hopeless optimist. And some people think, you know, we should just... I have a friend who... Quote, who started, she was an organizing pastor of a church, only literally the title was not church. Because in her community, she was in a very rural area in Mexico, people didn't want to go to church. So they called it not church. But you know, this, this kind of stuff, a lot of people, I read a book once, you know, how to be a, church, uh, how to be a Christian without going to church, and basically they described being a church but not calling it church. So, I mean, there are, there are some people who think we should just give up on these religious words that are so burdened with cultural expectations and cultural baggage. I think we ought to reclaim them. What if, what if we, what if just we started an experiment, just us, and we said, for us and for our children, we are going to have the mission of the word churchy being positive. So if somebody says, oh my gosh, they're so churchy. What it means is they're full of light and life. They're encouraging. They're affirming. They're loving. They serve others. They're inspiring. What if we could change the meaning of churchy? What if we could start right here? I mean, if it was only us committed to it, how long do you think it would take? How many generations? It'll take one less generation if we try right now and don't wait for the next generation. I don't know. I think we can try. God can do it. But this week, talk about that. How long would it take, do you think, what would it mean? What would we have to do and to be in order for the word churchy to mean pleasant and good, blessing, hope, encouragement? How many generations? You want to try? Amen.